That's the title for today. There are giants in the land. So I want you to turn to the person on your right and say, there are giants in the land. Come on, say it like you mean it. Turn to the person on your left and say, there are giants in my land. Look at them again and say, but I'm going to win. I don't know about you, but I'm going to win. I'm always the winner. I'm... Pastor Josh is pretty competitive. Those of you that don't know, yes, he is my brother. He is competitive. But I win every time. I'm just kidding. He's all watching. Yeah, I see you. You don't see me, but it's okay. I see you. You don't see me. Okay, anyway, what's going on? But the, there are giants in the land. And that is a very serious word. I know I was a little joking earlier. But it is a very serious word because I think we forget that tough times do come. When we serve the Lord, yes, it, it gets great. And it's wonderful times walking with the Lord. But the reality is with serving the Lord, tough times do come. And there are giants. But when we serve God, it makes it 10 times better and we can walk in peace. But there are giants in the land and God wants us to take care of them. So in order to kind of understand what all this is about, the promised land, we have to think about who was it that walked into the promised land? The children of Israel, right? God promised the children of Israel into the promised land. So I'm going to talk about the story of the children of Israel from the time they were in Egypt till the time they entered into the promised land. So I've got about 10 minutes to tell you the whole story. Are y'all with me? So you stay with me and we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. So you stay with me and we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 40. But before we go to 40 verse 34, I'm going to tell you a little story. The children of Israel had been in Egypt for about 430 years. Part of that time they were in bondage and slaves. So finally, they were being mistreated. They said, oh, we need to kill the firstborn of the Hebrews because there's so many of them. Uh, we need to do something with them because they keep growing. So Moses came onto the scene and was like, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. And then finally, Pharaoh said, okay, he softened his heart. The word of God says that he had a hardened heart, but God softened it so he could let the people go. He let the people go. And so finally, he's let the people go, and they're on their way, and they're just walking, living their lives, and all of a sudden, they get to the Red Sea, and they're like, oh, man, how are we going to get across the Red Sea? Well, next thing you know, Pharaoh's behind them, chasing them to the Red Sea, and they're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And then Moses comes and raises up his staff, and the Red Sea parts in half, and they walk on dry land. They make it to the other side, and the last moment of the last person of the Hebrews, the waters come and kills all the men of Pharaoh. So that's kind of where we kind of pick off. So that's, that just happened. And to lead them through the desert, we're going to read through the desert. There's different, two different things that the Lord used. We pick up in Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night. And the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So 
There was a cloud, a pillar cloud by day to protect them from the sun and a pillar fire by night to direct them through the night. Could you imagine if that's how we lived our lives? All right, there's a, there's a pillar of fire. I'm following that fire. You don't know what he's going to touch me if there's a pillar of fire, you know, in front of me. So, you know, there we walk in, and it stops. Okay, I'm stopping. Okay, all right. I'm, okay, there's a cloud. Okay, I'm going to walk with the cloud. Could you imagine if we literally walked like that? How awesome would that be? I think we would save ourselves a lot of heartache <laughs> in our own personal walks, right? But in reality, if we think about it, the Lord really can speak to us that way. Tell us to stop, to go, to move. Those are just kind of symbolic things that the Lord uses. But if we have our ears open to what the spirit of the Lord is saying, he'll tell us exactly what we need to do and when we need to do it. So the children of Israel, we pick up, we keep going. And so the children of Israel are about to go to the promised land, but the Lord had to set some things up. So the children of Israel and Exodus, they exited Egypt and then Leviticus talks about how they had laws and standards to live by. We have, as believers today, we still have laws and standards to live by because that's what makes us different from the world. That's why the children of Israel had the books of Leviticus. And I know it's a lot of laws and some of you start reading it and it's like, whoa. But they were necessary because that's what separated them from everybody else around them. So that is what Leviticus was about. So all these things kind of had to happen before they entered into the promised land. There's a lot of preparation that goes into entering into the promised land. Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers is where they begin to number the people. They said, okay, you are with so-and-so family, you're in so-and-so family, and some more laws and standards to live by before going into the land. And that's where we pick up in Numbers 13. Numbers 13 Verses 1 through 3. And this is talking about they were, ra- they were about to go into the promised land, but they had to scout out the land. They sent 12 spies into the land. 13 verses 1 through 3. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Para, according to the command of the Lord. All of them, men who were heads of the people of Israel. So there was 12 people because there was 12 tribes in the children of Israel. They got the head of each tribe, 12 of them, and they sent them to the land of spies to scout out the land to see what's going on. Chapter 13, verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev, Negev, it's called Negev now, but it's Negev (laughs) in the Bible, and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the city that they dwell in in are camps or strongholds. And whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. In fact, the land was so plentiful and so full, and it was grape season, that the grapes were huge, that they had to carry them in clusters. There's two guys that had to walk like this with with the grapes because it was so plentiful. 
So we pick up in chapter, uh, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation showed them from the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. However, the people who dwell on the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Achan there. The Amalekites dwell on the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along Jordan. And I can't do there, I can't go there because my husband doesn't listen, which he does, praise God. Um, I can't do that because my children are acting up. I can't do that because I don't know if it's, I'm scared. I, I don't know. Does that sound like a lot of excuses to me? There's too many people. I just don't know. And I know I've heard this word, bless you. Well, there's too many people at church. I don't know if I can go to church. There's, there's a lot of things that keep us from going to the promised land. So this was the report of the 10, there was 10 spies that gave this report. We continue on in verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw are in the sight of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And they believed this lie that, oh, we're so much smaller than them. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's giants. There's no way we're going to be able to go into the promised land. That's crazy. We can't do it. In verse, uh, let's pick up in, okay, yeah, chapter 14, and starting in verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in this, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Could you imagine you're bread for me? I can beat you up. Okay. No, we don't, we don't fight here. We don't condone fighting. Okay. But that's pretty much what they're saying here. Like you're bread for me. You're nothing. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I believe the word of the Lord is saying that for us to enter into the promised land, do not be afraid. The giants are big, they're crazy, and they want to kill you. But God is for you. God is for you and he is with you. But we cannot rebel against the Lord. 
If we try to go into the promised land rebelling against the Lord, it will not happen. We have to be obedient to the Lord. So we continue on. The children of Israel, unfortunately, missed the open door. Because there was an open door. The Lord has open doors and open seasons. The children of Israel missed it because they rebelled and they did not believe the reports of the two spies, Caleb and Joshua. They had to walk in the desert for 40 years. So they were walking in the desert for 40 years. As they were walking, they had manna from heaven. Manna says is, what is it? Yeah, they didn't know what it is either. That's why they called it manna. Manna is like little bread that fell from the sky. The Lord gave them every day. They had to walk by a pillar of fire by night, which is cool, and a pillar of cloud by day to cover them. They got tired of manna every day, which I would get tired too if that's all I ate was like bread every day. I'd be getting creative. Manna asado, manna tortillas, manna cereal. But, you know, you get tired of manna after a while. So they started to complain, and the Lord gave them quail. For a little bit. Because like we need some meat. And the Lord's like do I not sustain you enough? But the Lord was gracious. Gave them quail. And not only that. They got to win a couple battles. And while they were in the desert wandering around. Unfortunately wandering around. And their shoes never wore out. So they came to the end of the 40 years. And they walked into the. They were about to walk into the promised land. Unfortunately Moses did not get to go into the promised land. He saw it. And then he died. The next thing you know, Joshua comes onto the scene. Joshua is the new leader of the children of Israel to lead them into the promised land. And that's where we pick up with Joshua 1, 6, and 9, which is some of the foundational scriptures of kingdom. Um, Anybody that's been here from the beginning, this are some of the words of the Lord that was given to Pastor Josh as we founded kingdom almost three years ago. How crazy is that? Three years old. We're three years old. Joshua 1... Starting in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it to the right or to the left, that you may be good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The children of Israel 430 years in Egypt, 40 years of walking, the windows have opened again for them to go into the promised land. And Joshua is not going to mess this up. So he doesn't send 12 guys, he sends two guys to go into the land. And so the Lord told them like, hey, this, the land is yours. And multiple, he says, the land is yours that was given to your fathers. Only be strong and very courageous. And I believe that is a word of the Lord for somebody in this room today, that God wants you to be strong and courageous in the season that you're in. It may look hopeless. Things might be coming from the left and the right, but the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Stand up. Don't be frightened because that's what the devil wants. He wants you down. 
He wants you striving, not thriving. The word of the Lord is to be thriving, but we believe the lies of the devil and we become frightened and we miss our window of opportunity. So Joshua sends two spies into the land. Check it out. But this time they're going to Jericho because this is the first time, the first city that's going to be destroyed. So they're going into the land. And next thing you know, they run into this lady named Rahab. She has this place. They go in there and they're hiding. But next thing you know, they hear like things outside. Where are those two guys at? Where are they at? And so they're, they're going, they're hiding. And so the two spies are hiding underneath Rahab on the top of her roof underneath some hay or something. And they're quiet. And then finally Rahab comes back. He's like, okay, they're gone. So we pick up in Joshua 2 verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came to the root, them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Mm, nothing like the enemy being afraid. She told them, we already know the land is yours. And the fear of you has fallen upon all of us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Talk about authority walking into the promised land. This is what is with us and for us walking into the promised land when we walk in the authority of Jesus. The devil, he begins to be fearful of us and will melt in our presence. As we continue on, verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Kali, that's powerful. This is the God that we serve, that when we enter into the promised land, the enemy knows that he's, he can't even win. But somehow we believe the lie of the enemy and still become afraid. God will help us. God is for us. So Rahab, given a good report, verse 24. And so, and they said to Joshua, the two, the two spies got out alive. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also the inhabitants of the land melt away before, because of us. So the children of Israel are like, okay, we got the good report. Let's go. Let's go to war. Now I got to listen to the Holy, like, well, Holy Spirit isn't really... It is present, but the name Holy Spirit isn't in the Old Testament. So they're waiting for God. God's speaking. He's like, okay, Joshua's like, what should we do now? I don't know. So he's kind of like waiting for the Lord to give instruction. But before the Lord was giving him instruction, they had to cross over the Jordan River. So the Jordan River at this moment is so full. It's even above the level of water where it's typically supposed to be. So the Lord told them, go across the river. And they're like, all right. So the Levites who led the way with the Ark of the Covenant, they're walking across. And the moment they step foot on the water bank, the water began to roll up on itself the other way. And they walked on dry land once again. Not just once, but twice. 
That talks about the authority of who Jesus is. Well, God, but Jesus is yes. <laughs> the authority of who God is. So as they crossed over into the promised land, on the crossed over into Jordan because they're going into the promised land, the Lord had them set up 12 stones as a memorial to remember where they came from. They had been in Egypt They had crossed over the Red Sea. They had been saved. They had manna. They had wandered. Their shoes never went out. You know, everything. And the Lord told them, create an altar, 12 stones. So here it comes from each tribe, putting a stone, a stone, a stone. And they created an altar. And we pick up from there in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord, your God, dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord, your God, did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God forever. How many of you have stones in your life? What you've been through, that marriage, the children, things you're having to deal with, the work situation. What are your stones? Where has the Lord brought you from that you're here today? The Lord wants us to create an altar so that when your kids ask you, Mom, how come you have those scars? And you could say, I wasn't, it wasn't always good like this. Or maybe you have friends and you say, I don't know, what, what, what was the change? And you can say, I wasn't always like this. I had to come from a terrible place, but I'm here now. This is the altar that we need to create. And this is what they created to remind them for generations to come. We pick on, we pick up. So the memorial, they create a memorial so that it will be remembered forever. Chapter 5, verse 13. Joshua 5, 13. So remember, Joshua's still waiting for a word of the Lord. What do we do? How do we attack Jericho? Where do we go? Verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you our adversary? He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. We need to create a holy moment in our life before we enter into the promised land. That this place is holy. And here comes the strategies. In this this next season, the Lord is going to be giving strategies on how to overcome the devil and these giants. We have to be listening for him to say, step, stop, go, go the other way. (laughs) 
And the Lord can do that just like we're going to see here. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because the people of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And then, and when they make long blasts with their arms, ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armen pass on before the Ark of the Covenant. So here we go. That was the strategy. Did you get the strategy? You're going to go to war? Okay. All right. I can imagine Joshua. Okay. How many, how much, how much, uh, no, how many guns? They didn't have, I don't think they had guns back then, obviously. How many spears am I going to need? How am I going to do this? I don't know, you know, maybe slingshots. I don't know. I think that's maybe we're towards David's time. Um, <laughs> so they're thinking, oh, you know, I can think Josh is like strategies. And then God's like, walk around seven times. Okay, we're walking. What else? We can throw rocks at the wall. You know, I don't know. No, but that was the instructions to walk silently. Day one. Day two, three, silently, four, five, six, six times they walked around. Seventh day, man, we get to make some noise. So on the seventh day, they're walking around seven times. But on the seventh time, they got to yell as loud as they can. Josh was like, okay, we got this. We're going to win here. We said it's in our hands. We're going to walk around and yell them to death. I don't know. So next thing you know, he, this happens just as they said, seventh time, they yell, and all of a sudden, everything starts crumbling down. Had Joshua not listened to the strategies of the Lord, it would not have been in their hands to win. The strategies of the Lord are very crucial in the season that we're entering into. Strategies is the word. Get that in your mind. Strategies. When you're in your prayer time, Lord, I need strategies from the throne room of God. We need strategies in this next season. So the walls fall down. They believed in the first fruits. So the city of Jericho was supposed to have gone to everything that was taken, the gold, the cows, the animals, was supposed to have been taken for the house of the Lord which was in the tabernacle. And then after that, the next uh, battles that were fought, they could take for themselves. One guy had to screw it up for everybody. His name was Achan. Achan took, he saw, man, look at all this gold. I know my family needs it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, he takes it and he hides it. Nobody knew this, but thankfully Joshua was listening to the Lord. So as they went to the next city of Ai, Joshua's listening to the Lord and, and the Lord said, hey, you know, there's not very many people in this city. We'll be able to take it easy, easy done, easy deal. Send about 300 guys. 
And so they're like, okay. They send 300 guys. And as they're in battle, all of a sudden guys start dying. There's 36 men that were killed. And so they had to flee for their lives. And they're running back to Joshua and they're like, man, you said this was going to be an easy win. What happened? And he began to hear from the Lord. Someone took something that didn't belong to them. They missed the opportunity of winning because of disobedience to the Lord. We must walk in obedience to the Lord. So poor guy Aiken, yeah, he did get stoned. He got killed. That was the customs of the time. Praise God, that's not today. So he died, and he, everything was returned. They went to the city of Ai, and they won the battle. As easy as that. Sometimes we need to take out some sin in our lives that's keeping us from the promised land. And then we wonder why we're not there because of the sin we have in our life. That we're allowing, let me say that, allowing in our life. I know that's a tough word and I know that's really tough that I'm saying that. That's why we must continually ask the Lord, shine your light in the darkest places of my heart. And that's okay. Sometimes the Lord doesn't show it all at once. I promise you, you'd probably be scared. I'd be scared of myself too. So ask the Lord, shine your places, shine your light in the darkest places of my heart. So we pick up after that. They win. That was the second battle. And there was to go on 11 more battles. And they win them all. And then they settle in the land. The land is theirs. So my word today we are in the promised land seasons, but there are giants to be destroyed. We are in the promised land season, but there are giants to be destroyed. Pastor Josh has constantly talked about, oh, we're going to the promised land, we're going to the promised land, but what do we do? Are we going to, you know, walk on cloud nine? Are we going to, what's going to happen? Well, let's give some, I'm going to give you guys some instructions. What do we do? Point one. Create an altar to the Lord. We need to create an altar to the Lord where we put the things that were from behind us. To never forget, yes, many of us don't like where we come from. That's okay. Maybe some good things, because there are probably some good and bad things that came with it, and that's okay. That's good. Each stone could be something different. But we have to remember so we do not repeat. We cannot repeat from what's happened in the past. Create an altar to the Lord. And not only an altar, but we got to sacrifice ourselves on that altar. I always joke around, but I'm like low-key serious. Um, I got to crucify my flesh to the cross every day. Because if I was to say whatever I wanted to say, probably wouldn't be of the Lord. <laughs> so we got to crucify ourselves and lay ourselves at the altar. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and about what he's doing in the season that we're in. Point two, we fight until the last giant is gone from the land. And that might take a little bit. It might be quick. But whatever it is, we cannot allow these giants to linger in our land. Because if they are to linger, they will stay and it won't be good for you. So we fight until the last one is gone. Point three, we choose who we will serve. I gave myself to Jesus at the age of seven and evidence of speaking in tongues and baptism and everything at the age of seven. 
um, I still had to choose every day to serve Jesus. To this day, I still have to choose every day to serve Jesus. Because tomorrow I could decide, eh, this walk isn't for me. But why would I want to do that? Look at, the, look at the altar I created. I remember what he's done for me. So I choose Jesus today. I choose Jesus tomorrow. I choose Jesus 10 years from now. I choose Jesus on my deathbed. We need to choose Jesus. Who do you serve? Part four, we reign. Boy, we reign. And when you serve Jesus, it's fun. We reign. And we reign in authority. We're not striving. We're thriving in his name. We're moving forward because he's allowing us to reign. Because we fought. Point five, repeat. Repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Unfortunately, a lot of people have the huge misconception, and sometimes some churches teach this. When you come to Jesus, your life's going to be fixed forever, and it's going to be amazing. Well, I've been walking with the Lord now for, I don't know, 20 years or so, more more or less, maybe more. Um, Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) But you know what? I have got the peace in Jesus. He helps me to become who I need to be. So we repeat, we go through these things. Those are the five points that I have for you to help reign and to move into this next season. The Hebraic civil new year just passed, the year 5782. 5782. So this, the Hebrew new year is coincide with well, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus followed this calendar. So I'm going to follow it. Jesus was Jewish when he was born. He was Jewish when he died, and he's Jewish when he's coming back. He is a Jewish man. So I'm going to follow everything that he did. So the Hebraic New Year, there's always something special that the Lord does. This is the year, in fact, this is what you call the Shemitah year. The Shemitah year, every seven years, the land in Israel rests. They plant nothing on the land for a whole year. They let it rest. And this is also the year where debts are released. Do you have some debts that you need released in your heart and in your mind and your, and your family? The Lord wants to release some things in your life this year. This year will bring difficult times. That is kind of the word, right? There are giants in the land. That is also a word. So be ready, body of Christ. My beloved, my friends and family, we need to be ready for the giants to come. And in fact, there have been many giants already that have come in. Many of you felt it in your own lives. The, 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 the giant of confusion, division. I've even heard, well, I don't like the way that was. That's a wedge. And that's a lie of the enemy that you need to separate. You need to separate. Go the other way. There's been... a division and so there's you know in your own life there's just many different things that have come into your life to cause you to be separated from the lord that's the devil those are your giants do you see it now don't be deceived we can easily recognize these spirits but don't worry god is with you and keep fighting keep fighting don't give up depression is also another one don't let that spirit of depression into your heart and your mind 
Don't let these old habits try to bring you back. Because the enemy wants to do that to you. We, I like to listen to these uh, prophets, uh, a group of prophets, and Chuck Pierce, Cindy Jacobs, Dutch Sheets. There's a bunch of prophets that I like to listen to, and they're always super spot on. And some of the words that they were giving is something that I've been feeling in my spirit. So one of them, that this is the year, 5782, as we're entering into the promised land, God wants us to create an altar for our families. This is the year that the Lord is uniting the family. In fact, this year alone, I already know there's a lot of adoptions happening, literally adoptions. There's many things that are happening. Maybe there's been some, uh, something that's happened in your family with your children, with your parents, sisters, brothers, cousins. This is the year of unity. Let's connect. We need to walk in that. This is the year also of where God wants you to surround your inheritance. What is the boundaries that the Lord has given you? Do you know your boundaries? What are they? Make sure you find out what those boundaries are because the Lord has given us things for as an inheritance, but we didn't know what they are so that we can surround it. This is also the year where the enemy, what the enemy has taken from you, not just from your generation, but for generations past, the Lord wants to restore it this year. I'm not making this up, and this is not a prosperity gospel. This is a word that I've really been feeling in my heart. This is that year because this is what year? The promised land season. We need to walk in it. This is also the year of the great harvest. The Lord has been setting the foundation for people to come into the body of Christ so that we can take them to heaven with us. Here at Kingdom, we have grown so much. You can see it. You think this is something? You just wait. The Lord is bringing more people in and will be bringing more people into this house and to the body of Christ around the Permian Basin, around the world. We need to be ready. So that means we need more people to help harvest. We need people to say yes to the calling, helping us serve, helping us get ready. We need you. Not just we, Jesus needs you. Say yes to the calling. And something that's so, so important is that the timing is crucial. Timing, timing, timing. The Lord is opening up the doors. We don't want to be like the children of Israel miss the open door and wander for 40 years. We need to say yes to the calling, say yes to the open door, and let's walk through. We need to walk through. The timing is important. This is not a time to be playing games. And I know this is a super, like, tough message. And I know there might be some people in the crowd that may not know who exactly who Jesus is. And that's okay. But I am that serious. The Lord told me, we, we got to go for this. We got to go. There's no time to play around. There's too many things at stake. Our children are on the line. I've been working with children for all over 20 years now. And it's gotten crazier and crazier and crazier. Parents, it begins at home. We'll teach your kids. I promise if you give them to us, they're going to learn about Jesus. But it begins at home. And it begins with you. Are they reading their Bibles? Remember my mom, she's like, oh, have you read your Bible? And she would ask me. I know my husband Isaac, his mom would ask him all the time, did you read your Bible today? I haven't seen you pray yet. <laughs> she would call him out real bad. Um, which is good. Praise God. What are we doing to help our children grow in the Lord? I promise you, when you give a child Jesus, 
There's nothing that I could say or you could say that won't comfort them more. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it changes everything. And I promise you, there's little ones that they can hear the presence of the Lord. And they can hear exactly what the Lord is saying. Give your children Jesus. The timing is now.